Hello, and welcome to the Tavern Chat Podcast. I am your host, Eric Tenkar, and this is another in our Designers and Makers Fireside Chats. Today, I have Nick, or Saga Nick, from Saga RPG. Nick, welcome. Thanks for having me. Should be fun. One can only hope. Uh, I'm going to ask you the same uh, five questions that I ask everybody that comes here, and maybe a sixth. Uh, We'll see. But, uh, Nick, tell us about your first RPG experience. Well, um, I mean, are we talking tabletop RPG or... Whatever uh, got you into the hobby, whatever your first... Yeah, so my dad... my dad was in the Navy when I was growing up and you know, they taught him to do computers. So uh, just to give a little context, I was born in 1980. So um, when I was three or four, my dad was telecommuting to work on Mm -hmm. little dial up billboards. We're talking bits a second, right? So I'm only telling you that short little piece to let you know that the computer has been in the house since I can remember pretty much. Right. Right. Some of my first memories are of computers. Wow. And so my dad, you know, kind of a cool guy, he worked at Boeing. I, you know, I'm in Washington state here where Boeing's uh, headquartered and he had some friends, of course, they had computers at homes too, and they would lend him games. And my first real RPG experience that I can remember is actually playing golden box pools of radiance oh my god all right yeah hey, <laughs> can you believe if you're, this? Gonna, if you're gonna come in via oh, the computer that's the way to come in it was and man talk about a brutal dungeon crawl right so i, I mean you know for for a, I, you know i don't know how old i was when did those things come out was i six or seven eight maybe something like that right probably and, around then <clears throat> And I would just, I would spend hours crafting the characters and, you know, what were there, like eight hairstyles and maybe maybe 16 palette color swaps or whatever. Yeah, with the the little pixel art, yeah. Uh The mullets and the, it was just everything, right? So, but I remembered I would do that and I would play the game and I was really lousy at it. I didn't understand you know, Dungeons and Dragons rules or anything like that. I, I, you know, I was, I could understand that strength was, you know, going to make you hit harder. And, you know, that was what a fighter was going to need. And a mage would need intelligence. Um, I think they actually called them mages in that wizards, but maybe not. Um, I, I can't remember how they did the golden box. I think the golden but, box was uh, probably still magic user at the time. Yeah, you're, you're right. It was magic user. That's correct. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And so anyway, but the, the thing I remember doing after that is, is I started taking out pieces of paper and I would write all sorts of things. I would write like, I tried to write LARP scenarios when I was young and I didn't know what a LARP scenario was, but it was like, oh yeah, we've got this great park in these woods by our house and we should all go out there and play pretend, right? It's uh, one step away from uh, playing cops and robbers and cowboys yeah, and Indians and, exactly. and war or whatever else we played back then as kids. Yeah, there's just a little more, uh, a little more structured math to it, maybe, right? Uh, right. But yeah, so that that's my first RPG experience, and I have never stopped 
RPGing since. That's that's again. If you're gonna come in by by computer games, that is the game. As a, as a teenager, I couldn't really get into Ultima. I know that's a. I sound like a heretic saying that, yeah, but it's, okay. uh, it's a different. That's a different thing, actually. Yeah, but the gold box games from SSI. Yeah. Oh man, to yeah. die for. Even if you had to, like you know, always. Oh, all right. We're going to a new section of this uh, dungeon, and I got to put in the, you know another disc. And yep. now it's either the wheel where I got to spin the wheel oh, to match the up. Wheel. See, Remember? I've forgotten about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some some games would be like, go to page yeah. forty six, mm-hmm. line five, word three. And it's like, oh, yeah. But well, the wheel, yeah. Yeah, and the other games that I had, and this is the other type of game that I have never stopped playing. My dad, this is probably a couple years later, but he came home with a copy of, you know, a VGA version of King's Quest V. Oh, wow. And you, you, the books and the wheels reminded me of that. And I have probably played every Sierra and LucasArts and, of course, many other companies too. You know, there's a lot of really good ones these days, like Wajedi, who mm-hmm. make these great, you know, the, the, the graphic adventure is not dead point and click and that that has always influenced my my love of games and my gameplay those that style of game well, that's a fair <laughs> way to do it i i, I do remember the, the king's quest games i i well I, I guess the statute of limitations is gone now I, I i would play that when my friends would you know copy the floppies oh yeah i think you're good oh <laughs> uh, yeah Back, Sierra, back, Sierra back when not we, a thing anymore anyway. So. No, that's true. But and back when we're like, oh, why buy double-sided floppies when all you need is a hole puncher? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's yeah. just like, you know, it's it, it's interesting. Yeah. So I mean, you know, my my I did not actually start playing a, a tabletop game, you know, until I, you know, I met some good friends. And it was junior high then. They didn't do the middle school thing. And it was a seven, eight, nine model. And in seventh grade, I met two really good friends who are both part of Saga RPG. <laughs> I was 12 years old, right? And I'm, I'm going to be 39 in a minute here. Uh, and that that was my first. That's when I started playing D&D. And we started with second edition, of course, because that's what was out then. Okay. And uh, yeah, we just, you know, I was part, of course, I was part of the RPG club. Role playing club at school because we were lucky enough to have one. And uh, oh, God bless you! Yeah, I and I, I didn't get that until college. Oh, yeah, uh, that's you know, I I just lucked out, I guess. So, and there were man, it was there were like 15 or 20 of us in there too. Not everybody every week, but you know, and, and there's there's people that I haven't seen in, in 25 years now, but uh, I still remember their names and their faces. Oh, yeah, you know. John Muir and Dan Bergstresser, if you're out there and you're listening to this, I still remember. So nice. Yeah, those there there are bonds that you make in those early gaming times that you keep. I mean, my group from uh, high school survived through the extended college years and and pretty much until uh, I got employed as a police officer and just had those wacky hours of like you know midweek days off and working to two o'clock in the morning, but we still uh, keep in contact daily via email, the email chain. At one point we, we actually did 
the reverse of you. We migrated to games like EverQuest and Anarchy Online for a while to keep the group together when everybody had family responsibilities and and couldn't go wandering and scheduling a regular game. You play the you play the games that you can. We've got yeah. my group still plays, but I've got one guy. He's he's uh, Jesse at so you know Jesse at Saga RPG. Uh, he's uh, lives in Florida. He's about to move to California a little bit closer. And then we've got one guy whose job takes him you know out of the country most of the year. Uh, and so we um, actually use uh, D twenty Pro or Roll twenty most of the time anymore. To, you know, which I much prefer to get together in person, but it's usually only two or three of us in person, and then the rest of you know the people like, you know, Curtis lives in Nevada. You know, he's part of Saga RPG, so we're we're online too. That's just what it is these days. Well, yeah, and, and when I came back to actively gaming, I came back with virtual tabletops, uh, and and Roll Twenty wound up becoming the most used of them. Only because you could make it as simple uh, as you needed. Fantasy Grounds, as a player, I love playing Fantasy Grounds, but as a GM, I I don't have the patience for all the, the fiddly bits. Yep, I get you. So we're, we're, we're a little bit lucky in that Curtis is uh, actually, I, I don't know how much anymore, but he has been in the past very involved with D20 Pro and done a lot of work for them. So Okay. So, you know, we've used that product a lot too, but we also use Roll20 because, man, you're right, it is just accessible. Yeah, and, you know, and, and you know, at some point I, I need to get back to GMing, not just at conventions, but either online or in person. If I'm going to do it online, uh, I might want, you know, an interface different than, uh, than Roll20 at this point, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I, I, as many people, I got more on my plate than I know what to do with at the moment. So we'll see when I get to that. Yep, I know. I get you. I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm sort of busy designing right now. Yeah, Pex, you're right. Pex has typed in the chat here yeah. for those who are listening later. That D20 guys are super nice and like helping, and he is quite correct. That's been my experience too. They're all super nice. Guys. Yeah, and and having somebody that's accessible. <laughs> yeah, I'll give certain, certain... a plug. I don't mind. I think it's a it's a great oh. product. Yeah. Like I said, I I'm going to be spending a little time. I think I think March my schedule slows down. That that's when I'll start uh, playing around with VTTs again and and see which one comes closer to what I want. It's kind of like house rules. You you take the rules that work best for you, or you want to try to find a a VTT that kind of it's your desires are the most yeah but that's, uh, that's that's a game design thing in general yeah it should always be what whatever works best for you and your group not necessarily what's on the page right well <laughs> okay let's go on to our next question then what's your go-to rpg system and and why well if you're gonna go currently it's pathfinder um and but i i find that we've been experimenting with other things more and more lately and 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 why is it the go-to? You know, there's there's different opinions on the Pathfinder world, and I know it's like if you play Pathfinder, every country in there is like a different setting, right? It's got right. a little bit of everything in there. Um, <clears throat> but I do think that they've done a nice job of creating a a, a really good global scope that that gives you a framework for doing some good storytelling 
And I think that in particular Pathfinder in those wheelhouse levels, like fifth level to maybe 11th, maybe 13th, I, I think it's a ton of fun to play. I think if you do it right, the combat can roll pretty quickly, but has a lot of options for strategy. Okay. And it's also, I, I really appreciate that although you can min-max in Pathfinder, it's not balanced in a way that you have to. Um, you can you can play what you want in that game. And it, I know that what I'm saying is also true of a, a lot of different products like Shadowrun, for instance, right? I think you can say the same thing there. But, um, <clears throat> but it, that and I, I think it's just, you know, so I used to work retail at Wizards of the Coast. That's nice. actually how I met part of my current role-playing group. He was my store manager out here in Tacoma. Um, and, you know, so we sold those Wizards products and, and we ran them in the store and we played a lot. So I just also have a lot of nostalgia with Dungeons and Dragons and, of course, Pathfinder being maybe its biggest offshoot. Oh, it's definitely the the biggest offshoot. It, uh, what is it like? It's like it's like D and D three point seven five in a lot of ways, or yeah. Uh, yeah, or Spinal Tap would say uh, this <laughs> one. It goes to eleven, right? Yeah, it 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 and it does go to eleven, doesn't it? Even the artwork goes to eleven. Oh yeah, I, I I love I I love the artwork. I love their their, their goblins are iconic. They have been for, for years. <laughs> and and as much as I love all of their products, I have to say I own a copy of when they when they redid the Rise of the Rune Lords Adventure Path. You know, okay, I, I have the original soft covers all individually, but they redid the artwork and put it all in a hardbound book as one you know one book for the whole path, and that is just one of my favorite products. And I think. I, I could be wrong, but I think that's where they first really started using their goblins, you know, in, in Sandpoint there, which is sort of the first little town that you, you go to in that path. And I think it was their first adventure path, wasn't it? I think, I, I think it was. I think that, uh, although, I guess, didn't they run, like, be, be, before they stopped producing a dragon and dungeon, didn't they do a, an adventure path? In dungeon, oh man, I'd have to go to my my piles of magazines in my closet. Uh, oh yeah, Pexis. Oh uh, okay. Uh, yeah, well, before they started doing adventure paths proper with Paizo, they had right. They they yeah. did theirs as a licensee, I guess. Of right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, they, yeah, they had their campaign setting book before yeah. they officially went off into the. Yeah, I remember all that. Yep. Yeah, see that's 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 how we always need the pecs. Yeah, yeah. The, see the, <laughs> the power behind the throne. There it serves go. multiple purposes. So, so, but yeah, I I love Pathfinder, but that's not the I, I'm not tied to it. And you know, with our products, they are we've been making Pathfinder compatible stuff, like like everybody under the sun, right? I mean, there's a ton of Pathfinder compatible. That's what you, you, you've got. You, you got to sell where the market is too. Yeah, so. yeah, that and we, that's just what we wanted to do. But at the same time, like you said, with house rules, we've started putting our our own house rules things in there too. We've always been very interested in in two things, uh, both in tabletop and video games. We like the idea of an immersive sandbox. So we've tried to make that, and we like the idea of you know a whole setting evolving. Uh, uh, based on your 
based on the decisions that the party makes. And so we've sort of added some rules to <clears throat> to kind of uh, facilitate that. And not just rules, but also, you know, a, a lot of detail that maybe a lot of people wouldn't need or appreciate, but some people probably really love. Well, so. if, if it isn't there, nobody gets to use it. So having it there, if you can not use it if you don't need it, but if, yep. if you like... If you just want to go straight to the map in the dungeons, do it. Have fun. If you want to spend six, five-hour sessions walking around the town and talking to the people and doing little quests for them, do that too. You know, whatever whatever works. That works. All right, well, next question. may or may not apply because you came in with uh, second edition AD&D. But uh, racist class was, was big and uh, basic expert. Where do you fall on the line of, of race as class, or should it be race and class combinations? I got gotcha. you. Um, so you know how many how many layers of specificity do we need to designing our character to design our characters? Yeah, right? and and or like are all dwarves iconic, <laughs> or all elves iconic? And yeah, all... exactly. I, I, I and don't worry, I probably own multiple copies of you know pretty much every D and D basically. I feel I I I, 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 them, so. <laughs> I I I I feel better now. And my my wife, I can tell yeah. her when she gets home that yeah. other people have collections like mine. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's not overflowing. <laughs> don't don't worry. And I don't ever get rid of it either. I, no. Actually, small side side trek here. My our biggest collection was painted minis. We used to. There were three of us of the group that oh, would wow. collect and paint minis, and we had about five thousand at one point in time. My God. Um, yeah, we we've got one member who just sort of moved away and doesn't play anymore, and he had a lot of those, so the collection is reduced significantly. But you know, we. It's one of the reasons we really love to play in person. We had some serious terrain stuff that I think I think actually Curtis even used some of it in a D twenty Pro video one time. It's just some really good terrain that that uh, one of our guys made. Wow! But anyway, to answer your question, because uh, that had nothing to do with your question, uh, <laughs> um, it, you know what? I, I I hope this isn't avoiding the question, but I I I, I mean, for me personally, I I want more layers available and i don't always want to use them so i want the racing class and i even sometimes like the little sub archetype things although that goes a little too far it seems to me that you know two main choices is probably enough and you can design a character after that on your own well you, you don't want um, like the unearthed arcana rules from first edition where you had like seven <laughs> subsets of elves <laughs> You know, I don't think we ever did. We ever play with that? I can't remember if we ever played with that or not. But no, although I did. You know what? The funny thing is, though, is I always found that stuff really interesting to read. I always enjoyed reading it and thinking about it, and, and looking even looking at the little, you know, oh, look at this perk you get from this type of elf versus that type of elf. But no, I, I mean, I <clears throat> I veer more on having more options so that people can use them. But at the same time, I'm the person who doesn't spend a lot of time designing this character and, and is instead going to be obnoxious and hand the GM a, a five page background complete <laughs> with like, you know, detailed cities and years and, <laughs> you know, maybe family lineage. So that's that's my character design piece. That's fine. All right. Well, then uh, where do you stand on save or die? 
Uh, generally, no. I, I, I mean, I, th- I understand why it started that way. Uh, I haven't found that that's a system that rewards people, though. I, I, I think that um, part of part of the reason we like any game, whether it be a board game or or, or really almost anything, is the small successes and failures. Uh, and so I think the punishment for failing to save, uh, you know, I think Pathfinder made a good change when they said with enchantment spells, you get a new saving throw every round. Uh, you know, the, the, the all or nothing, man, if I'm 15th level or above and I'm fighting the rune Lord, right. At the right. End of life, then yes, save or die. Absolutely. And, and characters should die sometimes because if there's no risk, there's no reward, but in general, like, the first level thief, you know, doing the one-on-one adventure and going in and, you know, save versus die because <laughs> he, I save or save versus poison or die on the first trap that he comes to. And he's, you know, first or second level because he didn't roll, you know, hit the 5% chance to live. Right. You know? No, I, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't connect to it. Um, even if it's realistic. Well, see, with me, it's, uh, my, my thought has always been, it's, it's like spice. Very light use goes a long way, but if you if you dumped the whole pepper mill into the uh, that pot of stew, you you probably ruined it. And I think that it's so easy to overuse it, especially as a new GM, uh, that it, it it can really harm things. And also, there's a difference too in a save or die mechanic. I think if you're playing. Uh, I don't know, a thief in Swords and Wizardry and uh, a rogue character in Pathfinder because you can probably re-roll your, your, your thief in Swords and Wizardry and be up and running in five to ten minutes. Where the Pathfinder character, you're going to have to spend a significant amount of time reimagining and rebuilding your, your, your character, even just yeah. to initially twice. I, I think that even game system and the depth of the game system has an effect on how viable save or die becomes as a mechanic. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting point. Uh, yeah. And, and you're right. It's, it's all about sprinkling it on. And to me, uh, players feel successful, even if they have the threat of failure, if the failure seems real, they don't always have to fail in the worst way to feel successful afterwards. Right. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay, with yeah. the, the the last of the five questions, yeah. Uh, what would the teenage you think if they could see what you would accomplish in a hobby by this point in your life? Can you say the question one more time? Sure. The teenage you, when you were a teenager, you yeah. know, and and you were getting into RPGs, tabletop RPGs, if they could look ahead to where you are now, as you're participating in a hobby, as you are. Uh, as a publisher, as a creator, what would they think? What would they if they knew what the future held in store? What would they think? Oh man! And it, it, I know it's it, it can no, be. I'm a thinking deep about it. It's an interesting question. Um, I like this question. <clears throat> well, the first, so my brain goes to you know, well, different people might think different things. So, I mean, so. Um, <clears throat> would who think well what would you think again yeah yeah, 13. yeah 
I, I, I know me at 13, fairly new to this hobby, would have been fucking floored to see what I, where, where I am now. Yeah. It never would have been anything I could have. Well, I do, I do know myself. And so, you know, I don't know how people probably aren't necessarily that interested in knowing, you know, how, how my brain and emotions work. But, uh, you know, I can tell you that when I was 13, I would have thought that this is just a dream. I never would have thought that there's any chance that I'd be creating, you know, a game on any level or, uh, you know, <clears throat> or some of the other projects I have, like I am involved also in uh, the creation of a video game right now. And I never would have thought that any of that was, was possible. That is the first thing I would say. Um, <clears throat> but I think, to look ahead, one thing that I think is interesting from the time when I was 13 in you know, 1993 to now is that it really is more possible these days for everybody to be involved. And it might be harder to make a living at it once you get in to you know, crack into game design. But I think it's really cool that everyone, if you want to do it, the tools are out there. I just think it's so cool that everybody can be involved because it's more ideas. Um, and and more sharing, and that leads to better products and more fun. Does oh, that yeah. answer the question? Did I no, it, it, no <laughs> it, it, it does, because, you know, like when I was 13, it was 1980, and the, uh, the only people working in the gaming industry, you know, you, you lived in the town where the uh, company was, so if you worked for TSR, you, everybody was in Lake Geneva. Um, and you weren't laying things out with, uh, InDesign or even word for some people, some of the smaller right. indie people, uh, you know, it, it, I, I remember just not even participating, but I, I, I spent one night at a, at a newspaper shop in, uh, the Poconos, uh, just, uh, folding papers for the next morning i got paid ten dollars to do it and you know Jeez. when you're 16 ten dollars to fold papers for two hours if they're coming off the press i'll do it and um i could see the type press and it there was none of this computer site. it was all laid out with type and it was amazing to to uh, to think about that and now you look to where even i can you know, uh, as I mentioned, I think in uh, the last interview I did, I was told that my layout for Swords and Wizardry Continual Light was serviceable. That was the best I heard about the layout. Serviceable. serviceable. Oh, um, <laughs> but you know what? It, I, I am not, definitely not a layout person, but I could do a job that if you look at some of the stuff that was printed by role-playing game companies in the eighties or even early nineties would probably come close to some of the worst products out there. But in any case, I could still do it without any training. Uh, the, the bar has definitely been lowered, but like you said, to make a living off this, uh, you don't it's have an animal. It, it's a totally it? different animal. Yeah. Um, you, you, you can, you know, I, I, I know, one person, uh, decent size in indie publisher of, of Pathfinder material who, uh, was like, well, listen, I have to make my car payments, uh, every month and pay the insurance in the car. 
from uh, self-publishing because you got to work a full-time job. Uh, most people to to right. do it. Yeah, I hear you, and I you know I've got my full-time job outside of outside of my design as well. Um, but I I'll even admit uh, that the job I've chosen I I have purposely chosen a job that allows me flexibility so that I can keep designing in my life. Um, you know, I just, I just want I really want to be involved in the creating part is I love playing games and I love the social aspect of it, but I, I have to tell you, my passion is actually creating the games. Oh, that's awesome. And then I, I know people like that and they're the people that come home from their day job and spend time with their family. And when the family starts going to sleep, they write until two or three o'clock in the morning. You just and described then, me spot on. <laughs> and then they, 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 they grab their three or four hours of sleep during the weeknights and maybe six hours a night in the weekend. But when they're not working their day job that puts the, the, the food on the table and a, and a roof above the head, uh, and not spending time being with their family and being a father, a mother, husband, and wife. But uh, when the family's asleep, they are, you know, the creative bug takes over. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. I, 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 I can't do it. I don't have my 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 creative bug is it is a different type, but. I, I can respect those and, and in a way envy those that can, especially, you know, the writers and the artists that can, can do that because. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting priceless. and I appreciate that, but it's almost like we can't help it. <laughs> we, I, I can't know. help. I, 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 it's, it's, it's interesting. I can't help, but do it. It's like, it's in my head all day long and it always has been. And it took me a long time to get to the place where I realized that somehow, I don't know why it took me that long. You know, I, I, I didn't start actually designing any games formally until I was in my mid thirties. And I'm not that far out of my mid thirties right now, as I already told you, I was born in 1980. So no, I got you, you know, I'm going to be 39 next month, but, uh, I. I won't stop. I won't ever stop doing it. Now I can tell you that I love it too much. Well, you know, it, it's like a lot of things in life. When the time is right, the time is right. Whatever yeah. situation in your life allowed you to realize, hey, you know what? I got this creative urge, and I'd oh, yeah. like to embrace it. Well, God bless. Yeah. Well, and it's you know, I've got a, um, I have a twelve-year-old daughter, and I have two, two stepkids as well that are nine and 10 and a very, I, I would not be able to do what I'm doing without my wife. <laughs> um, she is uh, absolutely necessary. And so, yeah, it is some of it's situational, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've, what's my, my, the blog side is going to be 10 years old. I've been involved in podcasting off and on for years uh and, awesome. and and trying to build a community but i was working and my and there were times when i wanted to step away because i felt i wasn't giving enough time to my wife and the family and and, mm -hmm. and rage would be the first one that would go this is your passion you need you need to spend time with it you're doing you're doing well just you know she goes i'm here but you know she she also enjoys the fact that i can from from working on stuff for the blog or from from writing game material or whatever I'm doing, 
Yeah. I'm doing it in a room next to her. So she can always come over and just say hello. Yeah. Bring me a soda. Well, it's, I, I get that too. You know, my I think you mentioned that your wife is a social worker. Yes. And so is mine. She used to really? you know, she used to be the clinical director at a, a mental health organization. And now she has her own private practice. But yeah, I think there's there's something about someone who <clears throat> has that level of depth of uh, perception into the human the human psyche uh, yeah. that they just sort of, I think, naturally empathize and, and support what their partner needs. And so you're right. It's, it's our job to make sure that we're not neglecting our families, which, you know, I doubt either of us do, but you just always, it's a balance. It, it, it is a balance. And in, in my case, I got to do a lot more of this stuff when I retired from my regular nine to five or actually six, yeah. 6 a.m. to uh, 2 yeah. p.m. job. But uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. And I'm also blessed that, you know, Rach could be like, well, you know, you're, you're home working on game stuff all the time. You should be out there doing a, quote, real job. But she enjoys what I do. And she has the conventions with me that I get sent to. And I, I could not ask for... Uh, a better uh, family setup and situation than I've, I, I'm blessed with. But yeah, yeah, I think family is a huge secret to this because yeah, you you if you have somebody at home who feels you're neglecting them, you're going to know it, and it's going to make it a lot harder for you to produce. And yeah. having the support is priceless. You you gotta you gotta balance your games when you make them, but uh, I don't think you're going to end up with very good or balanced games if you don't. If you are a family person, you, you you must balance your family life. I know there are some people out there who are very happy, live on their own, and they design twenty four seven, and that's great yeah. too. I don't I don't want to sound like I'm criticizing that because I'm not. That's just a lifestyle choice, and more power to them because more games for us. <laughs> oh yeah, and if you had asked me uh, at ten years ago, because I met my wife just in the ten years ago, if you asked me ten years ago. Uh, if, if I went into uh, retirement and was single, I was like, yeah, whatever. I was okay with it. And now I look at it and I go, oh, man, what a fool I would have been if I passed this shit up. Yeah, the... I, I get you. <laughs> but uh, so now, all right, so, so you're, you're, you know, you, you can said earlier to me, like you're working on these various projects. Um, and, and you have obviously a, a family that, Supports you and allows you to work on these projects. How many, how many irons do you have in the fire right now? Oh, that's just. I am the guy who always has one too many irons in the fire. Um, Understandable, but and, yeah. I, and I figured that. But that's why, that's why I asked how many. I didn't ask. Do you have yeah, an iron? That's in the interesting. Fire? Yeah. So and so even even my job. Um, I'm a realtor. So and I and I. I don't just work with normal buyers and sellers. I work on investors and, and all sorts of things. So I like the variety. Um, and my job is not even nine to five, right? right. So my normal job. So that's, that's why I said, you know, I chose these prof this profession in part so that I could have these irons in the fire. So I have right now, <clears throat> we just released uh, a new product on drive through um, and it's the Pathfinder compatible projects I mentioned earlier. It's called the, um, uh, we call it an adventure arc. Uh, 
we just released the third one. They're big products. They tend to be between 150 and 225 pages a piece. Um, we also are very close to finishing the fourth one, however. I, I think that one should be out in a few months, give or take a couple of months. I mean, you know how this goes. Yep. Um, so we got that going on too. Um, and then I do have um, another project that I'm that I'm working on, and it is a it's a video game. We won't get too much into that right now, I don't think. Um, partially for uh, confidentiality reasons with the people I'm working with. Fair enough. Uh, but uh, uh, it is it is my concept. The game is my concept, and uh, you know, if I'd love to move forward with it. Boy, video games are a lot of work, though, and tabletop is too. But when you when you get into video games, there there are added layers. Um, the coding is the obvious one, uh, and and in fact, the big one too. It's a, it's a language, right? But I'm right. actually enjoying that part of it. So um, those are my two major creative irons that I have in the fire right now. Um, <clears throat> working on both of those projects, I I used to. I used to make my living playing music. And so I get asked to do the music stuff pretty frequently still, but I've been turning it down. Um, I just don't, I just don't have the space for it. And honestly, as much as I love music, I really like designing games a whole lot more. I just do. Well, games are another language too. Like music is a language. Games are a language. Coding is a language. Yeah. Um, so there's, there, there's certainly a lot of synergy amongst them all. So a direct answer to your question is, is I, I actually think I, I, I would say I have two irons in the fire right now, but they're both burning fairly intensely at the moment. So, but I have the time that I have, and there are some days I get to work on it a lot more than others. Oh, and that's certainly yeah. understandable. Um, now, of course, question I have to ask, are, are these going to be kickstarted in the end or are they going direct to market or? You know, so that's that's an interesting question. I do not think that the video game will not be kickstarted. Um, there's funding for it. Okay. Uh, so that's, and that's if that proceeds. Um, I've always wanted to make a video game. So whether this project works out or not, I will do that at some point. Um, you know, that could be 10 years down the line. I mean, honestly, it takes a long time to really get a handle on doing something like that. Um, as far as, as far as our products though, for, for the tabletop stuff, yes, I think, uh, there's definitely going to be some sort of crowdfunding in the future. We've, we've had talks about that. Uh, we tried actually doing it once before years ago and failed miserably. And I, I'd have no problem admitting that we actually did a lot of work on it and we tried contacting a lot of people, but I think it was at a time where there were a ton of Kickstarters already for this sort of thing. And we just didn't, we didn't have any clout. People didn't know who we were. Um, and the people who bought our products were very happy with it. But, um, you know, I, I, I think, uh, our hope is that after we release these next couple of products, we want to work on building a community too. Right. And, and participating in that community and, and supporting other people on their Kickstarters. Uh, and then, and then I, you know, we've talked about it. I think that's the point where we will kickstart again and, and have a product, if that makes sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, there are, 
very few hugely or even seriously successful Kickstarters that are the first ones out of the box. Yeah. Uh, you you do have to uh, establish a social media presence, get known. It's a lot of stuff you have to work, and uh, a lot of times, and again, and not this is because I back way too many fucking Kickstarters. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah I, I am a super backer, which means I'm over. I think I'm over, significantly over 300 Kickstarters. I'm, yeah, I'm not that many, but I've got it. I must have backed 100 Kickstarters by now. I would think. Yeah, and uh, I, I have found that um, companies or or new publishers that you know you you put out a uh, an easy to complete Kickstarter as your initial one to kind of build up your 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 rep and show that you can do it, and then you step up to a, a larger one with the next one. I think one of the uh, one of the, uh, there's a number of reasons why Frank Metzner's uh, Kickstarter for his his Empire uh, world setting didn't hit the, the the numbers that they were looking for, but one is even though Frank is a known personality, he's not known on Kickstarter, and he, he wasn't known necessarily by uh, the market beyond old school gamers and French RPGers, who apparently Frank's very popular in France. So something that was more of an introduction and and had, had not so lofty goals might have set some firm ground for a second Kickstarter. Uh, but no, that's, hard. that makes sense. And I'm going to take that as, I don't know if you meant it this way or not, but that's good advice for anybody listening and for myself too. Right. Yeah. I'll yeah. Be. I mean, I think you need to be involved. Yeah. I think it's fair for people to want to back people who are involved in the community. Right. I mean, yes. it's, it's supposed to be a supportive atmosphere where we help each other because who else is playing these games? We are the people who love them. Right. So it makes, it makes sense. I get it. And you know, it's, it's that building of a, of a community that gives you people that will come back for your later offerings or your offerings that aren't on Kickstarter. Yeah. Yep. You know? Yep. No, that's right. Um, I think, uh, and, and I think largely, and man, the internet is pretty brutal these days when it comes to people's feelings and uh, oh, yeah. uh, all that. And I've seen some negative stuff, but you know, I will say in the gaming community, I also, if you look, you can also see a lot of really positive things out there too. So there's a lot of positive stuff in yeah. gaming, but the, the, the issue with the internet is that, uh, you know, what, what is it? Facebook calls everybody that follows you a friend. Yeah. But but really, they're they're not friends in the same sense as somebody you're gonna you sit down with and have a cup of coffee or share share yeah. a beer with and have lunch. It's not the or or even have a phone conversation with necessarily. It's a, it's different. I would call them acquaintances, uh, but doesn't have the same kind of oomph that friends have. Yeah. Well, and, and actually. I, I think that's right, largely, right, until you start actually. And you can get to be friends with someone over the internet. You can. You can. Oh, definitely. But it's, not, but it's a different process. And you're right. People who are your friends are not your friends. And, and you know, Pex is typing against yes, people I, who, who are listening. Yes. <laughs> Tankar, you're a dick. Well, coming yeah. from I, – I, I've been called a lot worse uh, working and in, 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 in gaming. So uh, – 
Yeah. Well, Thank and you, you know, and he's right. He also said because there are no repercussions, and of course that's hits right. the nail on the head. I mean, that's it's kind of a problem, isn't it? I will tell you that when I was a teacher, um, and this is a little bit grim, but you know, there were students that. Uh, uh, multiple students that took their lives because, at least in large part, because of being bullied on social media and, and no one being there to help them. I mean, yeah, it's a problem, man. But so what I what I like about the gaming community is I end up seeing a lot of positive stuff in the gaming community. So I, oh, I'm, happy, it, it, I'm happy to be a part of that. It, it's certainly much more positivity. But if you want to focus on the negativity, that's you know sure. that's easy enough to do oh, because it's there. It's, it's there. It, it, with the with the amount of uh, people and personalities out there, you can pick and choose uh, what you want, and uh, you know. And you, you you're right. It's it's easier to bully on the internet. It's easier to make threats on the internet. Um, hey, I I I've I've had three individuals threaten to sue me because oh, of blog geez. posts on the oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, one was yeah. Ken Ken Whitman, and listen, Ken Whitman like threatens to have like the fake FBI come to my 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 door and arrest oh, me. Geez. Okay, so, well, <laughs> yeah, that one wasn't yeah. really taken too seriously, and I discussed this in the past. You know, Gail threatened legal action. She didn't f- threaten to sue me technically. Uh, it was legal action for something that I didn't even say, which was amusing. And and the other one was Frank, but uh, <laughs> it's just. <laughs> Uh, you know, because uh, again, there's also this. Uh, you were a teacher, so as a teacher, you learn to have a thick skin and remember if that you know. I tried. <laughs> you tried, but you re- you have to, you have to remember that you know if that kid that's mouthing off at you isn't mouthing yeah. off at Nick. No, he's mouthing no. off at he's not my teacher. You know. Yeah, or he has, or he's having a bad day because he's a teenager, or he doesn't right. have the skills, and right. that's why that's actually why you're there. Yeah, it's not. I mean, you know what? People call it glorified babysitting. You know what it kind of is, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, yes, you are teaching them, and that's a part of it too. But uh, you are socially training these kids, and even if, if whether they like you or not, they are looking at you and getting something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, I'm way off topic again. It's a sandbox, <laughs> I, Nick. Yeah. There's no topic. I, well, I, you know, I love sandboxes when they're good. So, yeah. That's a good one. But, yeah. You know, we can yeah. we can wander around a bit a little bit aimlessly. That, that, that's hex map, right? Let's, yeah. Let's, let's just keep. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we yeah. get to mark it up afterwards. Well, when we were over here, we were talking about. Yeah, improving the lives of students, and here it was where the student called me a fucking asshole. Oh, go yeah. ahead and die. Mostly behind my back, but yeah, I'm sure some of them did. I, there was one year, you know, I, I was largely liked by students, but there was one year where, boy, they didn't like me, and and you know it. Oh yeah, you know it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Sandboxes are interesting. There's. There's some of them like uh, Rappin' Athic. I don't know if you're familiar. Do you remember Rappin' Athic? I uh, <laughs> I ran Rappin' Athic uh, <laughs> on Row Twenty, and and, and the uh, ran it twice because we're gluttons for punishment. Well, yeah. Um, our campaign actually ended because I after two and a half sessions of magical slot machines, I was like, D- 
guys, we got. I, I'm done. I can't. <laughs> I can't run another session of magical slot machine time. We, yeah, we got to move on. I, I'm getting bored. So, uh, that, but you know, that's. I I actually think that Rabinathic is. Man, that was a that was a delightful, torturous experience. If you can have both at the same time, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And, I, and uh, Frog Guide, Frog Guide Games has the yeah. uh, Mouth of Doom level uh, printed in 3D, and I've run that at conventions. And after running it by the book the first time, I said, you know what? This is just going to be a crazy funhouse dungeon now because most of these players have already played it or run it. Yeah. So, And I have an open map because it's 3D terrain in the table. So I go, you know what? I'm going to run it like they have no, there's no expectations that they're going to know what's going on because I'm going to change it all. And I have a lot of fun doing it. We, uh, uh, we first ran out Rappanathic. Um, I, I was never the one to GM Rappanathic. And uh, Lars from, from our, our company, the guy who used to be manager at Wizards of the Coast for me, he, um, uh, he ran it and he integrated a story that has so this was i think we probably first played it 15 years ago at least probably about 15 years ago maybe maybe even 17 years ago when we first played it i, I don't remember when it first came out but it's about that old at least i would think it, it has and, i i played the uh and, the revived. and we made a choice at the end where essentially he took one of our characters and made another camp campaign off that character and even now today, because we still play too, right? <laughs> he just threw a twist in, and now he's brought in those characters again. So, Rap and Ethic, thank you, Frog God Games, because you have <laughs> provided us with twenty years of st- <laughs> role playing stories. Not, it, 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 <laughs> and I it, don't it, mind plugging Frog God Games because oh, I love their products. I no, really, I, <laughs> and it's funny because. Uh, my son's 25 and he recently moved to Salt Lake City to uh, take a different position with Delta. And I was clearing out his room, which was my old room at one point. And in the built-in hutch underneath a bunch of old, you know, Book of the Month Club books, uh, I found a the boxed rap and ethics set from Necromancer Games. I was like, oh my, I go, yeah. oh my yeah. God. Right, I have it, yeah. I, I have the recent you know one that kickstarted a few years ago for Swords and Wizardry. I was like, I totally forgot. I mean, literally totally forgot. Like, still going. I don't remember buying this. <laughs> but there it is. Yeah, yeah and that's that's the copy. I think the only copy I have of it is the Necromancer Games copy too. One of them. I think they even had multiple versions. I yeah, I think they had like that. three. They had like the three volumes and then a box set, and then yeah. they. Pex, you can fact check me if you want. I, I might be talking out of the side of my mouth on that one. I'm not sure. Yeah, Pex, go go, go to your uh, collection. <laughs> no, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, yeah. God. Three and the 3.0. There you go. Okay. Oh, Pex is fast with the fact check. Yes, he is. He's good. I should bring him in one day. You guys ever watch Screen Junkies movie fights? Do you know what that is? I've watched Screen Junkies. Oh, oh, the two. Yes, I've seen. The guys who do honest trailers and all that. Yeah, it's usually the the rapping back and forth or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got a great program called Movie Fights that 
needs constant fact checking. Oh wow, there's lots of versions of it. Yeah, but uh, uh, you know, Pex is another version in between too. The uh, the Pathfinder and Sword and Wizardry version from like 2015. Oh, that was yeah. 2012. Wait, there's a 2018 one. Yeah, that was done for five years. Oh man! Oh my god, full color. How Beautiful. did I miss this? Beautiful, <laughs> and and you can get the maps in full color in their own folder. So and you'll have player maps and DM maps. So yeah. you have unmarked and marked maps. It, that is beautiful. Well, I think that's great. Well, and so I, I'm going to say this, um, and this is the closest I'll get to a to a plug for our products. That's I, I will tell you that Rappanathic is one of our one of our influences actually for designing what we've done. So what we've done is instead of making it a mega dungeon. And I know there's bigger mega dungeons in Rappanathic, but we've gone and, and, and made a whole setting where, because in Rappanathic, there's consequences based on where you go first. And so if anyone is interested in seeing, uh, you know, what we've done is created a frontier setting, uh, you know, close to the American frontier mixed with high fantasy um, and also riff heavily off the HBO show Deadwood. Nice. Um, so we have the town of Darkwood and, our story is about that town growing and the town actually changes as the modules progress uh, and uh, the effects that happen in the area. And of course, you know, there's lots of dungeons and stuff too. It doesn't all just take place in the town, but uh, yeah, that's, I, I just realized, you know, Rappanathic is definitely one of our, one of our influences. Well, that's pretty damn cool. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, we I, we we might have concluded this hex crawl. We've we've been crawling for a while, nearly an hour. We have, haven't we? Yes, we have. We're pretty good. Yeah. Pretty damn. I I no longer predict how long these uh, <laughs> these fireside chats are going to go because I I I I was like oh, in the beginning. Oh, they'll be twenty to thirty minutes long. No, no. And that's and, and you know why? Because when we have these chats, you know, whoever I'm sitting down with, we have these bonds. We share bonds about gaming. And yeah. it allows one to sit down and and talk, and you you dare I say have the feeling of friendship right from the start because you have common bonds. Yeah, but it's true, isn't it? Yeah, and and it's a it's a very specific and personal thing. I I think it's partially because these games are meant for friends to play together, and so yes. when you find someone else to play them, and you can imagine yourself sitting down being friends with that person. And, and having these, you know, unmatched experiences. You know, if you don't play these games and you're not into them, and that's fine. But if you don't, I, there isn't anything that's quite like it that I've found. You know, I've told you that I'm interested in making a, a video game, and I certainly am. But right. It would never replace this. It just couldn't. No. There's something, it, it's, a, it's a group activity. And, it, and it, personally, it's, it's great to... Uh, as a tool to help uh, younger individuals learn about uh, group play and team play and uh, working together to solve uh, problems. It, it certainly, it, it helps with a lot of social skills. I know it helped me and my friends when we were younger. Definitely helped so. me too. Big time. Well, yeah. Nick, thank you for joining me, man. Yeah. Thanks, Mr. Eric Tankar. I would, I, I'm enjoying participating in uh, Ten Cars Tavern on 
Discord and at uh, all levels as well. And this has been fun. Yeah, the, uh, the Discord is out of control in a good way. It's just uh, yeah, it's growing yeah. in leaps and bounds. Beautiful thing yeah. to say. And I'm just learning about it, so I'll stay involved. Good. Appreciate it. Well, again, thank you for uh, joining me today. Uh, is there a, a, a website that folks can go to? Yeah, you know, there is. But honestly, the best way to check out our products, if you really want to see what we're up to, is to just go search for us as a publisher on DriveThruRPG. Um, and yeah, if you go to DriveThru and search for Saga RPG, I, that's that's the first place that our products get released. Excellent. And All you right. can get them print, you can get them PDF, you can get them both. So whatever whatever people are interested in. So and yeah, and if anyone has questions, they can find find me on Discord, Saga Nick. I'll include a, a link in the show notes. Oh, thank you, sir. You're very welcome. All right, folks. As always, thank you for joining us. Uh, we both appreciate it. Uh, stay safe. God bless. Roll your dice well. And I will uh, be back tomorrow to talk with you all. Later, folks.